welcome to another of our Lahila podcasts where we're chatting all things social connectedness, place, health and well-being, the role of the libraries in today's rural communities and looking to the future with Western Isles libraries. My name's Fiona and along with my co-host Lewis, we're joined by another group of community members and researchers from across the Western Isles who'll be joining in with today's conversation. Hello folks, it's Lewis from Science Kaylee joining in the podcast again. Today's episode links to a subject very close to my own heart and I'll work with libraries across Scotland, as well, of course, at that special place reserved for Western Isles libraries in particular. We're asking why do libraries matter and what roles do they play in rural communities? We'll also be asking what the future is for libraries and mobile libraries in these areas and why so-called third spaces might be important for health and well-being. And these link, of course, to one of the creative postcards that was shared with the Western Isles libraries across the Isles. Here to join us is Stephen Bryden and Kathleen Milne from Western Isles Libraries. Stephen is one of the mobile librarians based in Lewis and Harris, and Kathleen is the head of service. And here to discuss this topic from the research perspective is Louise-Anne MacDonald, who is a community navigator for NHS Western Isles, and Dr Janet Heaton, who is a senior research fellow at UHI's Division for Rural Health and Wellbeing. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. I think we'll just dive straight into the first question then and I'll ask you all to introduce yourselves. Um, What does a library or a mobile library mean to you? And Stephen, I'll start with yourself. Uh, Hello there. Yeah, I'm mobile library driver for Lewis and Harris in the Western Isles for the last 15 years. So fundamentally, the mobile library means it's my job. Obviously, there's a lot more involved in it that. They'll probably come on to that later. But as I say, I've been doing this now for the last 15 years here. Brilliant. And I think um, it'd be really interesting to pick what all the stories and that you've inevitably would have picked up over uh, the last 15 years uh, with all of that as we go along, Stephen. <laughs> but certainly for me, uh, libraries are really, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... I remember growing up, libraries are so important, and I've been listening to a, a discussion recently about palaces of the people, and which links a little bit to some of what we've done with fun palaces, which Western Isles libraries have also been involved with. But these place, spaces for people rather than just for books, um, which I think, again, I think will come up through our conversation today. Thinking, uh, Louisanne, how about yourself? What do libraries mean to you? Hi, so yeah, I'm Louise-Anne MacDonald. I am a community navigator with NHS Western Isles for the Empire Project. I work with anybody over the age of 18 who's living with a long-term condition um, and we empower them to help self-manage their own health and well-being. And the libraries for me in that role is that um, they're a vital resource for tying in the communities together, reducing social isolation, getting people involved in activities. It's been a valuable resource for us. Absolutely. I think that's definitely true for most people. I know I probably don't use the physical library as much as I should, but I I know that the online resources are great and I, I love the kind of click and collect service that there was. I definitely took advantage of that during lockdown. As a space, though, I think the libraries, um, I've used the libraries more often as a space for meeting and getting together. So I know um, we've used them for events and book launches in the past. And it's a really lovely shared space that anybody in the community can take ownership of and can feel involved in. Jan, I'll bring yourself in now. What do the libraries mean to you? Hi, Fiona. Um, Yeah, I'm a researcher in the rural health and wellbeing team at the University of Highlands and Islands. And most of my research is on health-related topics. 
And one of the things I'm interested in is how people access and benefit from services in rural and remote areas, and that includes libraries. Um, so there has been some research done before on the role of libraries and other so-called third places in urban communities, but there's been less so done on, on libraries and especially mobile libraries in rural and remote communities. Um, so we know a lot less about them. So I think this project that you're doing is, is brilliant and it'd be fascinating to hear what people think about, about the role of libraries and mobile libraries where they live and how they benefit people in, in these communities. Oh, we're definitely going to pick that up, Jan. Um, that's really, really interesting and, and it'll be interesting to, to build on that, I think. As I know there's been some interest from the work with um, the Scottish Libraries and Information Council who worked with uh, for a wee bit again with the FunPals programme and the cultural democracy work. But yeah, it'll be interesting to, especially over the last couple of years, see how that's maybe changed as well. I feel like that's almost the pace has, has, has changed quite a lot. Which brings us really nicely to Kathleen. What are what do libraries mean to you and who are you? Hi everyone, I'm Kathleen Mulm. I'm the Libraries Manager with Western Arts Libraries. So again, like Stephen said, you know, libraries are my job, but they are also my passion. And I've probably mentioned this to death, but growing up in Cape Town, I really saw the impact that access to libraries had on empowering people. And that is just can't be underestimated. It's so empowering. And as at third place, it's that free open access. And I think the pandemic, even though that many libraries were closed, it just highlighted how important those spaces are and we should be investing in them so they can have more events and activities along with the books and information. So what Jan said, I think it would be fascinating um, to have more research um, sort of. So we hope the, this continues and sort of the research partnership continues with about libraries and the impact, because I think it is quite a special, unique relationship they have with people and communities. Mm, definitely. I think, I mean, if I can just share one very short anecdote in terms of growing up, libraries for me were, you know, I'm quite clearly uh, in geekier disposition. A library was very much the one between my school and my home was very much a, a, a very safe space for me to, to, to read and develop. And actually growing up as a, a young LGBTQ man, um, it was really, actually it was libraries where I started to kind of have positive role models. It was the books and the librarians who actually <laughs> offered me some space to, to actually read about these different stories that, that I just didn't uh, capture and didn't get anywhere else and this is obviously before the internet was such a big thing and we didn't have dial-up and all that kind of stuff. Jan did you want to respond? Yeah I mean I forgot to say what they mean to me as well and um, yeah like, like you played a really big role in, in my growing up I think um, especially my teens. I grew up in a very small village and it was a bit like somewhere out of a Nina Blyton book um, <laughs> so it had the usual places like a village shop and a post office and fish and chip shop, primary school and village hall. But it also had a beach and three lighthouses and a battery and a fort, it was like an old fort, and a, a dockyard as well and a grass airfield, but it didn't have a library. The nearest library was four miles away in the next door village. And I remember visiting it and borrowing books and for me, growing up in such a small place, it was just a window on the world, a bit like TV was. Um, this was back in the 70s as well. So, so it's somewhere to learn about new things and sort of escape into fiction sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, 
not quite the same as you, Jan, but I grew up in the far north of Lewis and the, the closest library was Stornoway, which is a half hour drive away, which when you're when you're quite wee, it feels quite far away. But I'll just go back to Kathleen for our next question, though. Um, you'll probably be a, a bit biased about this, Kathleen, but I wonder what's changed over the pandemic around libraries and, and what, what have their role been? And in terms of the mobile library, what has it been up to and, and how has it kind of been involved in, in reaching people throughout this pandemic? I think it's been fascinating in ways that we didn't really predict because, of course, it was suddenly this one day's notice that we had to shut at the beginning of the lockdown. And then it was, how do we carry on providing the services? Because we were thinking of all the additional services we provide along with the books and the information, which are sort of book bug sessions, the events, the spaces to connect with people. And it was just, how do we respond to this? And, and we went online, as a lot of other libraries did, but we're also very aware that's that's not going to suit everybody. And you can still be online and not feel a connection, depending on the type of event. So I think that the mobiles were a way for us to start a service again. I think the mobiles started a service quicker than the branch libraries. And we were able to do that quite safely by putting in sort of very uh, stringent health and safety measures. So we had the, the click and collect, which we call connect and collect service. And, you know, the, the mobile sort of showed us the way they sort of dropped off collections of books to people uh, and picked up. And we were just able to start that connection again, which I feel was so important. And I think just in general, you, <laughs> You know, Jan's talking about the, the closest library was four miles away. We only have four branch libraries in the whole of the Western Isles. You know, some people have to travel well over an hour to get to the physical space. Uh, and the physical libraries are important for the computer access and the full range of services. But those mobile libraries, that's that's every village's library now. They, they are that flexible. And I'd love to see them in the future I probably shouldn't preempt, but being able to do more, but it's a challenge of, you know, reaching so many people in such a, a sort of broad area. But yes, I think they have been a real beacon of hope and it, it was a, such a positive experience to work with them during the pandemic and see what they, the impact they had. And not to even forget that this Lechile project has is also an element of that. It's been embedded throughout that. And and you know, I remember you talking, Kathleen, about you know how very often it is the only person that people might see, even if that is dropping things off. And I'm sure we're going to have some safer work stories from Stephen about that. But I love the changing also to connect and and collect. I feel like even even with that, there's that element of connectivity. Um, and Louisanne, you talked a little bit about this earlier as well in terms of that ability to connect. How does this, I guess, would you be happy to speak a little bit more about your experience of that or the, of these types of spaces to bring people together for, from a health and wellbeing perspective? Yeah, so I I have totally echo what Kathleen says. You know, the mobile libraries are there. They reach um, to our farthest points are people that are most at risk of isolation. And sometimes that's the one friendly face I'll say a friendly face, Stephen, <laughs> the, the week that they see. Um, and it's such a vital resource for people, you know, they would normally have loved to go to the library. They might be housebound, not have anybody to support them. And 
it's it's been amazing for being able to connect these people back and again to an activity they really enjoyed. Um, we recently actually gathered some feedback for our own project uh, with a gentleman who had previously been using the mobile library. We had kind of referred him in um, and pointed him in that direction a number of years ago. And then when COVID came and the mobile library had to stop and he was devastated, he'd lost that vital contact and reading was a big passion of his. And through being able to work with Kathleen and her team and connect him then virtually into the library um, and to be able to get the books that he wanted to read. He read some magazines, although he did find himself one day in Vogue, I think, and didn't know where he was. <laughs> so, you know, uh, teaching him those digital skills, you know, he's fed back that to him that got it was that that got him through COVID, learning to use something, but being able to keep a passion that he loved and to do that and for him his mental well-being has kept that so much and he's now back again I believe engaging with the mobile library um, it's been huge there's a lot of people use the library facilities particularly audiobooks and things or people I work with a lot of people with sight loss that use a lot of the audiobooks as well um, and being able to work alongside with Kathleen and Stephen to help support those people um, to get those books that they need so it has had a, a big positive impact on people and again that just reducing that social isolation and having somebody that will pop in and say hello being able to help them with that it's been really good. I'm getting quite emotional listening to you there, Louisanne. It's hard not to, though, because I think it's easy to overlook the work that the libraries do because they've been there for such a long time. But I think it's it's evident that you've evolved and changed with the times and the last the last two years are anything to show. Then you've definitely kept up and, and kept that outreach and that connection with people. Stephen, I'll come back to yourself just now. As it's been alluded, you were definitely the man on the ground out about in the community for the last two years. How do you relate to the stuff that Kathleen and Louisanne were talking about just now? Did you see the role of the mobile libraries changing over the pandemic and 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 how was it linking to the well-being of the people that you were seeing? Yeah, I think that's all that's been said is definitely fair comment. As I say, I've been doing this now 15 years and you quickly realise that the delivery of books or reading material is only part of the job. You know, I mean, you can be everything from social worker, counsellor, uh, or the, the local newspaper telling people, but you quickly realise, especially in some of the, the real rural areas, that at times there's elderly people or housebound people and you were the only person they were seeing from month to month. So part of the job is spending a bit of time with them, seeing how they're doing. You know, there was a case recently, luckily everything's okay, but I was concerned about an individual just because it seemed to have went downhill physically and mentally. But I made some inquiries and found out through himself and other people that he was actually being visited regular by neighbours. He wasn't getting left alone, isolated. But it's just wee things like that that you pick up in the community. Certainly it's changed now because there are people who are housebound and you would normally go in, spend 20 minutes, half an hour, seeing how they're doing, having a chat etc. Uh, now, as I say, a lot of these people have got underlying health conditions and they're still wary of contact as such. So it is a case of dropping the, bo the books off in a bag and taking the other ones away at the moment. Some people are coming back on the van sort of tentative, tentatively at the moment, uh, but that's starting to progress. Again, we're just having to watch 
daily cases and possibly react to, to, to whatever situation arises. But certainly the provision of books is, is one part. It's actually, you know, connecting with the communities, especially in the sort of far-flung rural areas with elderly or people who live on their own or people with health problems. And how have you seen a big change from, obviously you said you've been doing it for 15 years. Is there a big significant change from um, pre-pandemic and during post-pandemic? I would say the numbers who use the library fluctuate yearly or you know you could look at a graph and it would just be waves people moving on unfortunately people passing away etc new people coming in it's been difficult the last couple of years because people who were using it to start with you weren't going near them and i think they were losing connections so you just by phoning them and saying we're coming back out in the road would you like this and then choosing books for them or you're choosing books that the authors that they've never read and they're, they're going, I'd never have thought of reading that. That's a brilliant, you know, thanks very much, etc. It gets a wee bit embarrassing when people are phoning the library here saying that right enough. So you tend to hide when the compliments like that are coming in. But uh, yeah, we're just trying our best, trying our best to keep everybody safe and uh, trying to uh, provide the service as best we can. And it sounds like, you know, even the story about, you know, raising uh, kind of alarms almost you know just when you, the regular people that eat little things that that role as a connector can't be underestimated to be honest and you know I, I know when we were having a wee chat beforehand just before this you were talking about how even if you're you know if you're just dropping it off you're shouting behind uh out, out, out you know in the garden or whatever it is just it's just to, to have even a, a little connection and how important that is I suppose that with that idea of that kind of the connections and and the almost this idea of of this this intermediate space that libraries can provide, you know, palaces of the people that like we were saying beforehand. Well, I want to kind of bring Jan back into this conversation and think about well, a lot of your research about the, what some pe folks call third spaces. Uh, what is a third space, and what are the value of these spaces for communities? What do we know? What don't we know yet? Yeah, um, well, the term comes from research by an American sociologist um, called Ray Oldenburg. And he wrote a book um, called The Great Good Place in 1989. And in it, he looks at um, the role of places and communities like cafes and hair salons and bars and bookstores. And this was in urban America in the 70s and 80s. And he called those places third places and he argued that they play an important role in communities and a different role to the home which he called the first place and the workplace or the school place which he called second places and he argues that third places are, are sort of neutral places where different people can gather and converse and where the action the sort of interactions that go on in those places help to develop people's social networks and a sense of belonging to a place as well. And other research has gone on since then to build on some of those ideas and look at the roles of places like pubs and sports clubs and village halls in, in rural communities as well. There's been a lot less done on those on rural places. Often there's less funding available, unfortunately, to, to um, do that kind of research. So we don't know so much about um, the role and benefits of libraries and mobile libraries in, in, in rural and remote communities. 
Although there has been a bit of research, I think you mentioned it earlier, that um, was, was done in Scotland a couple of years ago, I think, that was useful. So what the research in general sort of suggests that rural libraries have several roles and they're much more than about just books. <laughs> um, so they're obviously a place where people can access information and, and can learn or study. But they're also a place for everybody and they're very inclusive, welcoming places. They help to combat social isolation, you know, Stephen was just, just saying. Um, they're also a place for paid work, as Stephen also mentioned, um, as well as volunteering opportunities for, for some people as well. And they're also a place where people can connect with others and make other networks and find out about other organisations. Um, I think there, there are other benefits as well on top of that that perhaps haven't been researched so much. Um, I think you mentioned earlier, Lewis, that you know you found them a safe place to go to um, when you were younger. And you know, I, 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 I still remember going and feeling very um, at home in those places and a warm place, a quiet place. Um, a place for a bit of downtime sometimes, as well as making mm. connections with people. And um, not everyone has access to quiet spaces or time for themselves. And libraries provide that as well, I think. Um, and, and libraries also, people don't just visit libraries in isolation. They might combine it with a trip to, to you know, or do some shopping or have coffee with friends. So it's part of a wider set of interactions that um, so I think using libraries needs to be looked at in that context as well, not just as an isolated thing. Um, and of course, we've Definitely. just been hearing as well about all the benefits um, that, that libraries may have people during, during the pandemic as well, in terms of combating social isolation and just providing maybe a brief but very welcome point of contact with the outside world and, and helping mm. people get through lockdown and isolation as well. So, through having physical access to the books. Absolutely, I feel like it's, it's, it's been such a privilege to be working with libraries across Scotland, but of course in depth with, with Kathleen and Western Isles libraries in particular, to see the range of things that are available. Yes, it's about connectivity, it's about you know libraries that do gardens and 3D printing and all sorts of things for younger people, older people, everything. It's such a diversity uh, and it's just, you know, it's this trusted space. And one thing I would say that always struck me talking to some librarians is like, it's one of the few spaces left that you don't have to pay any money to to be in, which shouldn't be as radical as, as it is, but it is, I think. Kathleen, I want to bring you in. Yes, I was just so interested to hear what Jan was saying about the research on, on the sort of third spaces, because I think, you know, I, I don't even know how to put it, but you're home, you are one person, and at school and at work, you're another. But is it those third places that help you learn how to be you? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I think reading books does as well. It's how you discover what you feel about the world, what other, you know, other people, places, and I, think, I just think it helps develop your sense of self and your awareness of other people. And I think that sort of just encompasses everything that libraries do and why they're so important. You need to have those places. Yeah, you want sort of um, food, water, clothing, but you need the spirit, sort of food for the soul. 
and I think books and libraries provide that space. Uh, yeah, and I'd love to see more kind of research, especially in rural areas, about the impact of that. That would be fascinating. Absolutely. I think it goes back to something Stephen said earlier on, that the books are just one small part of what makes the libraries so important and what they are. So obviously we've had these um, brilliant postcards out and about in the community for a wee while now. Can we get a wee feel of um, what those responses have been so far, Kathleen? Yes, it has been kind of such an experience looking through them. Uh, I haven't gone through them all. And I think a lot of people have been quite reluctant to share, but the ones we have had have been absolutely amazing. We got a beautiful one from a woman. It was a, the card asking about your special place. And she spoke about a beach that she walked down to at the end of the road and she'd just look out to the sea and that it brings back all memories of all the relatives and friends she's known over the years that have since moved away. And honestly, reading that, you know, it just was so powerful. And what I hadn't thought of before is seeing people's handwriting has such an impact. We're so used to things being typewritten or, or done online, but these people have written it in their own hand. And that really, yeah, it's it just feels extra special. There's something so personal about that. And it made me think how... We need to bring back letter writing, I think. <laughs> uh, these postcards have really shown how important that kind of connection is. And I think some of the other library projects, you know, in other, in other sort of areas of Scotland and England, they tended to go all online to deliver their sessions. And I'm so glad we stuck to this way because I think it was important for our community to have that form of sharing. We're coming to our last question. I can't believe it. The conversation's just been so interesting. I've got so caught up in it. <laughs> I think just as you've been speaking there, Kathleen, how do you see then the role of the libraries in rural communities in the future? What would you like to see? And do you think you have any other reflections of how they'll look moving forwards? Libraries as a whole have really learned so much over the pandemic. And, you know, what, what they've realized, and I think a lot of libraries were doing this before, but the library service goes way beyond the, the physical spaces. And I think mobile libraries are, are the most wonderful example of that. So absolutely, a physical space is essential. It provides services that you can't really offer on the mobiles. It's the, the sort of classes, events, activities, that kind of thing. But we'd like to see, have you know, the ability to be able to do more outreach and use the mobile libraries as a way of doing that. So it's challenging because we've only got one mobile for the whole of Lewis and Harris, but at some point use that to visit, take a day, visit communities, have storytelling, book bug sessions, digital support, have more of that in communities because people, you can't expect people to travel, you know, an hour and a half just to get to Storn away for work a half hour class, a workshop. So try and bring all those through the mobiles to communities. Um, yeah, that, that's our dream. And I hope it's something we can achieve in the next couple of years. 
that sounds uh, so good and even think about you know of course some of the big ideas that we're connecting with you know climate change and, and the work of, of linking with as a climate beacon so you know bringing that into communities as much as communities coming in to these safe spaces how about um yourself louise Anne, from from an nhs western isles perspective or just a personal perspective what, what would you like to see happen next I feel like Kathleen's just taking the words out of my mouth all the time. <laughs> um, definitely that that kind of outreach that you speak about in that community activity, um, getting in there for sessions and things. Um, even as we develop our own service and we now have what we call digital navigators working with us who predominantly, as the title speaks, work on that digital side. And we're looking at community hubs and, um, you know, even if we were able to then tie in and work alongside with the library to help develop that service and provide that to those people who are most isolated and not able to get out um, would be fantastic. But I, I definitely, yeah, I can see like we pop up shops and with your library and, you know, like it, those in community engagement activities in there would be amazing. Absolutely. I think there's definitely loads of potential here for, um, growing in different directions and adding to the stuff that you're already doing it sounds really exciting um what about yourself Stephen how do you how do you envision the, the role of the mobile libraries for example cha- changing and evolving in the future well I've got to agree with my boss because we've been in close contact with us anyway we've been discussing <laughs> this for uh, a while now so I will just endorse what Kathleen said that I've been, we're trying constantly think how the one van we've only got now but how we can utilize that to the greatest extent especially out with Stornoway to reach communities that otherwise it would be maybe too much for people to travel, you know, for a half hour session or something like that, where we could actually go, we could maybe even go two places in one day, depending on the area, and do two sessions or something like that. But this is where we're sort of thinking, as well as hopefully getting back to a sort of normal service, going back to the schools at the moment, we're not seeing them, which is tough, but because of the, the other people that we're visiting, we're just a bit wary at the moment, myself and uh, Ian, the other driver. But uh, hopefully that in the future, that will come back again as well. So the service will come back up to sort of near where it's full, but we can expand it uh, with the ideas that Kathleen mentioned there. Plenty of exciting things for the next 10, 15 years for yourself, Stephen. Um, and then how about yourself, Jan? What would you like to see moving forward? Well, just echo what everyone else has said, really. Um, and I've got... We know that the people who currently use the service are really high satisfaction rates. Um, so it would be great to find out ways of, of helping more people to, to access the service and use the service and, and benefit from it as well. So you know, more activities to engage more people would be fantastic. It'd be great, I have to say more research as well, it would be great to, to do some more research and actually looking at, at how that works in practice, so, so how libraries actually help connect people and, you know, through signposting or whatever it is, whether it's improving skills or, or, or signposting, I think it'd be useful to, to, to do some more research along those lines as well. Mm, definitely. If you could, um, just to add a cheeky question in, if you could, uh, if you got a grant to do anything, what, what would that study be? Well, would be lovely. For any funders listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would it'd be lovely to, to do some research for people um, and find out what it is they get out of the existing service and 
what else they would like to see provided and look at it more broadly as well. So to actually somehow trace the various connections in the community that are facilitated through libraries, not just provided directly by, by libraries as well. So, um, so to put it in a wider context, that's what I'd quite like to do if I had a blank check. <laughs> we'll work on that, we'll work on that. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for all of that. And actually, I suppose that's, you know, a lot of those things that we, the Lahila project with a lot of the researchers from the Division for Rural Health and Wellbeing is about, is about starting that conversation, if, if not the formal research part of it. So um, it's going to be really exciting to kind of pick up from here and obviously continue the conversation and we'll explain a little bit more, but we'll hopefully be able to have some of those conversations in person very, very soon. But to our guests, thank you so much for joining us uh, for such a, another brilliant, thought-provoking conversations. And for those listening, go go visit your local library. Give them a wee bit of love because uh, they absolutely deserve it. Give Stephen a wee wave if you see him driving past and <laughs> we'll pop in there and say hello to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Cheers just now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye, folks. Well, it's now over to you listeners. How about yourselves? What do the libraries mean to you and how do you see them contributing to our community's well-being on the Western Isles or further afield? You can feed in by shading your creative postcards, getting in touch with the Western Isles libraries on Facebook or Twitter using the hashtag Lechela Together, by email at together at cne-siar.gov.uk or on our website lechelatogether.wordpress.com. Next session, we'll be looking towards the future. Uh, what does the route to recovery look like for communities post-pandemic? And what should our social connections be like and how can that be achieved in the next 10 years? If you've got thoughts about this, you can even join our call along with researchers from the Division of Rural Health and Wellbeing, including Professor Sarah Ann Munoz again and Kathleen Milne once again joining us as we round off our conversations through the podcast. We'll be recording this conversation on the morning of the 10th of November and details can be found online. Also, pandemic allowing, we'll be going on the road and running a series of small in-person Kayleys with groups across the Western Isles. We'll be showcasing the responses from the postcards and discussing the themes of the postcards in person, firstly in Barra, then in Uist and then in Stornoway. And that'll all be between the 18th and the 20th of November. I'll be there, as will Lewis and Sarah Ann. We'll have more details soon, but keep a lookout on the Western Isles Library social media. And if you want to get involved in that, please do get in touch. Cheerio and Raste. Thanks for joining. The Healer Together is funded by the Engaging Libraries Fund, supported by the Carnegie UK Trust, Wellcome Trust and the Wolfson Foundation. Lechila is led by Western Isles Libraries, Lorland and Yelan Shear, in partnership with the Division for Rural Health and Wellbeing at University of Highlands and Islands, and Science Cayley, including hosting with Lewis Hu. This podcast is also hosted and produced by Fiona Rennie, with artwork by Alice McMillan and music from Jane Hepburn McMillan. <laughs>